Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. Ace Podcast. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, we're talking what's happened to the movies in January. Is Bright worthy of a sequel? And what Marvel news has us gearing up for an Infinity War? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And yes, we're back again. It's another episode of the pop culture cosmos my name is gerald glassford from pop culture cosmos and game source we truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today it isn't a true pop culture cosmos show without my good friend the man the myth the legend behind humanica media and you can check out all their great stuff today on humanica media on facebook and twitter it's josh peterson what's going on my friend hey 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 just uh closing up the night here with a little round of podcast editing something you probably know nothing about because you never edit podcasts ever. You never really do anything. This is your very first podcast. So welcome to the club. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. 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 Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a lie if I ever heard one. In fact, I'm going to get to know podcast editing real well over the night hours, but we won't talk about that right now because it just scares me even more. But we're going to have a great show for you today right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you so much for being a part of it. I've got Rob McCallum standing by in the Cosmic Crossfire. He's going to bring up some great pop culture topics with me, and we're just going to go you know, mano y mano as far as talking the latest stuff in pop culture. Plus also as well, Josh and I are going to talk about well, about the bright movie on Netflix and and does it really deserve a sequel? And also as well, later in the broadcast, we're going to finish it out with some great talk on Marvel and what we are gearing up for that will help lead us into the Infinity War. And also a great idea that I know some other podcasts are doing. I want to give a shout out to Nate Phillips and, and his journey into Comics Network. I know they're going to be breaking it down too. You want to give them a listen, but Josh and I, uh, we need to refresh our memories a little bit on some of the great things that have gone on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So we've got some great things coming up, and I know we're going to touch on that a little bit more as well at the end of the podcast. But definitely a great show indeed. But first off, Josh, another great weekend at the box office. Jumanji, like I said, ever since the, the calendar has rolled over into 2018, it's been out with The Last Jedi and in with Jumanji. As it's, it's now grossed over $500 million worldwide. So I ask you, Josh, all this stuff is great going on from films in, in previous months. What's going on with the movies in the month of January? Because Insidious, number four, and then there's really not much to talk about, is there? 
it's kind of like going into Blockbuster back when Blockbuster existed and not being able to find anything that's worth watching. Like you comb the new release walls for just anything to make the time go by and you just don't see anything. So you end up uh, renting Jurassic Park for the 12th time in a row. Well, I'll tell you what, it, it, exactly. And, you know, the commuter with Liam Neeson, it's coming out very soon, but we've seen this trick before from him. It's a and this boring is- looking movie. Like, I don't know, like the trailers, just, they don't look appealing to me. And it's been done. What's that movie with, um, you know, that one with Sam Worthington. And then there's another one with, uh, I think, Kira Knightley a while back. Like it's And Clive Owen did something like that, too. It's all been done before. Yeah, and, and it's just him just being in this type of environment. I mean, we've seen this before from him with the Taken series nonstop. You know, this is not the first time we've seen him in this action hero role. And uh, it goes to a larger problem that we once used to talk about a long time ago with January being the worst month of the year for, for movies because in the back in the old days, movie in the industry as a whole, movie companies would actually send these movies out in January that they didn't have any faith in to literally die uh, that, that just they just had obligations to put them on the screen and they were filling them out by putting them in January with really nothing to really be confident about. Uh, But last year with Hidden Figures, Rogue One, Sing, even Passengers, which was a $100 million hit domestically, although it may, depending on who you talk to, it may or may not have met expectations. Those movies were still doing okay at the box office. In fact, Hidden Figures really started to do well. The year before that, I think was American Sniper and all that. you know, it started to get some hope for movie audiences that January could still be a great time to go to the movies. Then this calendar year happens. What is going on with Hollywood and not putting out good movies still in January? Well, because it's funny you mentioned American Sniper because they're like, you know, that they have the movie 12 Strong with Chris Hemsworth and Michael Shannon coming out. And it seems like they're trying to recapture that. Um, whatever you want to call that. I mean, I saw the ads for it in Hollywood and I, I, I'm not impressed. Yeah. I mean, it, who knows what it's going to be. I, I, it's, it's a story that I'm not too familiar with, but it, you know, it's directed by Jerry Bruckheimer and, um, you know, it's got that whole, they're, they're trying to recap. It seems to me like they're trying to recapture that, uh, Black Hawk Down vibe, which I actually really enjoyed Black Hawk Down. But, you know, besides 12 Strong and maybe Maze Runner, The Death Cure, I don't really see any of these other movies doing so hot or, you know, it, you know, fading into obscurity pretty quickly. Den of Thieves, that just looks like another, you know, give me a paycheck type of film uh, from, you know, who from Geostorm, uh, you know, that going into that. And then you also have, like you said, uh, Maze Runner, Death Cure, that looks like the well, it looks like just an obligation to put out that third movie. And, and I know Maze Runner was initial, initially a success and the sequel really disappointed in their eyes. So this looks like it's just a cash grab as well. And they're just throwing it up there to finish the series off. And it just really disappointing at the number of films. Paddington 2, it looks like that is also going to probably be something that, that's not very good at all. The post, yeah, it's going wide and whatnot, but I'm not getting that same type of feel from this Steven Spielberg movie as I think a lot of people are waiting for when it comes to Ready Player One. So I ask you, Josh, I mean, 
we saw it last year. January could still be a great time to go see movies, and and still those the you know, the dollars could be rolling in. Why do you think that this year is so bad compared to the previous couple of years? And it seems like it's uh, reverting back to its old ways of just putting junk out on the screen. Well, I think it's a trend. Um, I think it, it's kind of a fall fallback from just a year of box office disasters. So we're not seeing like. I, you know, and I don't think that this is going to be limited to January. I think just going forward, we're going to be seeing less and less like really, you know, good, interesting movies. We're, of course, we're going to be seeing our Marvel and our Disney and whatnot. Or like, they're the same thing. But like, you know, I, it, I just, I, I'm not seeing this changing much in, in the months that aren't, uh, you know, specific to blockbuster numbers. I agree with you. It just looks very disappointing right now. And you're higher on the Cloverfield movie coming out in February. I know that. I know also as well that Rob McCallum is definitely, and he's going to, you know, lambaste me on it coming up here, I'm sure, pretty pretty soon in the Cosmic Crossfire. But until February, when that Cloverfield movie comes out, or if it gets, you know, you know till that and also 50 Shades Freed and, and some others come out in February, and then it all leads into black panther and i also want to make a correction i apologize for saying that the star wars solo movie is coming out in late march actually is coming out during memorial day weekend so i would uh, right now it's still targeted there but i i still haven't seen any trailers yet so i'm kind of concerned it's not going to come out then but that's another issue but yeah it, it looks like february is going to be a much better month for films i'm just kind of disappointed that january that that really is reverting back to the old days where nothing but junk came out on the screen. So be patient, movie fans. Be patient indeed, because January is going to be a long month with some pretty forgettable films at the box office. But hold out hope, because come February, definitely it's going to change with some some really strong movies coming out that I think will be able to really make a difference and and make us forget about how bad uh, these movies are in the month of january what are your thoughts on the movies in january are you you know are you targeting any of them maybe the commuter paddington 2 proud mary are you going to go check out insidious did you and check out the latest insidious maze runner the death cure any one of these films are you really excited for the month of january movies Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos on Facebook, Humanica Media on Facebook, GameSource on Facebook, and hey, all three are on Twitter as well. So that's definitely check us out, send us messages. You catch the latest news just on, on pop culture from all those outlets. And you, you, you won't regret not uh, following us on Facebook and Twitter. So definitely it's going to be a great show we have for you today. We've got a lot of great stuff. Like I said, Rob McCallum is standing by in the Cosmic Crossfire. Plus Josh and I are going to be talking a lot of great stuff when it comes to Netflix. Also as well, Marvel good goodness coming up later in the broadcast. But first, it's Josh's good friend Chad, his compadre in crime. He runs the band called Hyperschmidt. They make some great music, and you got to check out his channel on YouTube. It's Hyperschmidt. H-Y-P-E-R-S-E-H-M-I-T-T. And this is After All. And this is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Here at the start where you are. 
Oh, I would not change a thing You were dear, you were flawless Will you fix my broken wing? On a ledge, can you see What you know you're looking for? I am sure I've forgotten Once again, I lost my goal In my problems, I feel small It's the climb of Listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do do people still use dials? Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmos show and the PCC Multiverse. 
I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Every week on the Podcast Radio Network and Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. And we're back with another edition of the Cosmic Crossfire. This is once again Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. Thank you for staying with us and checking in on us with the Cosmic Crossfire once again. And well, he's back. It's the man, the myth, the legend behind Rob McCallum Films with all the great stuff going on. You got to stay in tune to Rob McCallum Films on Facebook, Rob McZob on Twitter, and a whole lot more. It's you. It's Rob McCallum. It's me. Here I am. There you go. <laughs> What's going on, my friend? I'm back. Not much. But it's great to have you back in the saddle, my friend. Uh, looking forward to a great 2018 with all the stuff going on in pop culture. So I ask you, Rob, what are you interested in talking about when it comes to pop culture? I'm going to throw some things at you to see what your reactions are. These are more or less... Uh, films that caught my eye or TV shows or, or things that could happen this year that are related to pop culture that I thought warranted some discussion because we haven't talked about them, for the most part anyways. First one is uh, Mary Poppins sequel. What are your thoughts on that? Especially as, as, a, as a man with two daughters, is this something that you're, you're looking forward to? Or are you going to be checking this out in the theater? Is this going to be a, a wait for a DVD and Blu-ray? I would like to see it. Um, I know the creator of Hamilton, uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda. I believe that's his name is correct. Yeah, some it sounds correct. Okay, he is very much a part of this. That gets me excited as far as his because obviously Hamilton is such a huge hit as far as within the stage realm and seeing his talents now being uh, moved over to the big screen with Mary Poppins and. And what's going on there is it's definitely a, you know, takes me back. I, I would love to go take the kids to it. I think they'll be excited to go see it. Just a spoonful of sugar, you know, and all that stuff. Oh my gosh, sorry. Um, You're killing me. Yeah, I know, I know, I am. But um, it's, to me, it would just be a lot of fun. And I, Let's I, I don't mind go fly a kite. <laughs> Oh, okay, okay, yeah, tit for tat there. But it, I'll tell you what, it just definitely is worth something for me to go ahead and check out. And like Beauty and the Beast was obviously one of the best movies around for 2017. So definitely it looks like Disney will probably strike gold again with Mary Poppins in 2018. I just don't know how you can do a sequel to such a classic that won so many awards that's been well-regarded by critics and family and fans and generations of families for years to come. 
And the thing that kills me the most about this is, from what I understand, we're not going to have music from the Sherman Brothers, who were responsible single-handedly for writing that memorable score for the original one in the 60s. Like, they, if you ask me what makes Mary Poppins work was the music. Everything else was great, and it was, like, you know, up to snuff, of course, but it's Dick the Van Dyke music. Was awesome. I'm going to tell you right now, Dick Van Dyke was awesome. Yeah, great, but what made that movie stick out was the music. It took it from a good film to an amazing film. And we don't have that this time around, so I'm so cautiously optimistic about this one. It could be very good. I mean, like I said, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, um, I I think he's going to do a great job with it. I I have hope because, like I said, you you couldn't put the the film in better hands song-wise than with him as far as helping create the music for, or recreate the music as far as with a lot of hits from, from Mary Poppins. Well, from Mary Poppins' uh, sequel, Pro or Con, I want to switch to God Particle. Now, this is the temporary title for the next Cloverfield movie. What are your thoughts on that, that universe, and and what we're going to learn about it? So you got the the lowdown on that title. Uh, I just see it when I when I see it pop up. I just say, it just says Cloverfield 2018 edition. So I thought that was going to be like that's a pretty lame title, the 2018 edition. But when I see it in reports, uh, I don't know. The last Cloverfield that was the one where I think John they were trapped yeah, inside t- a house. T- t- Cloverfield Lane, yeah, yeah. That that was a bust, and I you just, didn't like that. Did not like that. Wow, you and I drastically differ. I don't uh, know that it had to be included in the Cloverfield universe. And that's, what I'm, that's what I mean. I but but say what you will about the last 10 minutes. But other than that, that film was very, very solid. That's what I mean. It just doesn't fit like the Cloverfield that I remember from the, or the original. So uh, seeing another edition of it i'm not excited for it so well who knows where this one hits in the entry and the timeline and and how all the pieces connect i mean jj abrams who is exec producing these and has been since the beginning uh with matt reeves directing the first one who knows how these are all going to fit together maybe it's that superhero kind of formula where you get a lot of great standalone stories that just have a little bit uh you know crumbs or icing for that cake that eventually comes together to tell that bigger overarching story but it's going to take five or six movies to really paint a clear picture of what's going on that could be really interesting and frankly uh that's what excites me well i'm glad it excites you but for me it's probably something i might catch on home video yeah 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 what about what we do in the shadows the spin-off tv series a spin-off series to that what we do in the shadows that's even more that that's your now you're even trying to do way too much with a series that's not even that popular at this point in time you're killing me what we do in the shadows is so great they've already announced a sequel with the werewolves and now they're doing a tv series with paranormal cops that think something's going on in their town but they're completely oblivious to to the things that are all around them i think it sounds great i think it's a nice spin on the cops kind of investigative ghost hunter franchise that really interjects humor. I love the guys behind it. Jermaine Clement is obviously hilarious from flight of the Concords. Plus everybody else that's involved in what we do, the shadows. I think this is going to be a nice cult hit that uh, goes for years to come. I hope it is. I hope it is. And I will check it out because you're suggesting it to me. And I usually take your suggestions very seriously. 
So I will definitely go ahead when it comes out. I will definitely check it out. That I will do for you. We've got the Winter Olympics coming up in February. And uh, I was actually thinking, are we going to have any pop culture moments that are tied to the Olympics this year? I never really consider the intersection of sports or something like the Olympics having too much to do with pop culture. But who knows? What are your thoughts? Usually there is. Usually if it's not an individual athlete that garners our attention that we go gaga over it's usually something else relating to it so yeah i think we will if not it's going to be either trying to be be created by whoever the entity is i'm assuming it's nbc again that's uh, going to be televising it so uh, they're going to be trying to force something down our throats as they usually do whether it's the star athlete of the games or whether it's something else relating to it or whether it's something with unique about the city itself hosting they, they, they will try to go ahead and associate something for pop culture. If not, then I know someone else will. It'll be really interesting to be in Canada for an Olympic broadcast because things are done a little bit different here from what I understand. I believe it's CBC or CTV here that uh, that has the rights to them. And the majority of the coverage is all online and streamable for free as long as you're in Canada. So they really go with an online approach first, other than some of like the key events, especially as the as the events uh, windle down. But even then, those events are reposted online for enjoyment. And I really like the idea that if I miss, you know, the slalom qualifiers, I can bring up my iPad or my phone, check it out when I have the time, and I'm not handcuffed to a schedule should I miss it. Well, I want to say this: remember, NBC to get the rights to the Olympics forecloded. Uh, ton of cash and i mean a ton of cash yeah. they are trying to squeeze it out any any way they can yes they've got an online olympic site that you can check out and you can see those specific events as far as that is concerned and i know they're going to make a more concentrated effort to go ahead and make it a better presentation online but they've also got so many outlets with msnbc cnbc nbc um, they've got their NBC Sports Channel and so much more that they go ahead will fill out the whole days and days and days of stuff as far as even the prelims or anything of that nature that they'll put on at least one ch or another channel that it, it you know they, they've got to try and bleed it for all it's worth because they paid so much upfront. I know they're regretting they're regretting it now, but at least at this point they're going to try and make amends by trying to put out as much content on that, uh, uh, much content as they have on all those family networks that they have. Well, I think they had to can they had to put out the money because we saw what happened when they lost the football rights in the early 2000s, and that came back to bite them because Fox and CBS haven't looked back since being able to acquire the the NFC and AFC games, and uh, it uh, they need to have some sort of sports identity with their you know long history of sports broadcasting, and I don't know who would be as equipped to handle the broadcast as the Olympics, but NBC doesn't want to let it go. It's, it's you know, one of those flagship feathers in their hat. So we'll see what happens. And who knows what kind of pop culture moments might come out of it down the road. There might be a movie that's based on something that transpires, especially with the NHL players not being a part of, of the hockey event. Could we see another Miracle on Ice kind of situation? Or you can see something like I, Tanya, which came out to great critical reviews. Uh, you know, it's being a minor hit everywhere in it, but it's probably going to get the at least one uh, Oscar nomination, I believe, for for the performance for you know portraying Tanya Harding. I think that's definitely going to come into play there. So 
uh, it, like you said, it goes both ways. So at least something should happen where it'll be long lasting in some way or some form or fashion in pop culture. Yeah, Margot Robbie, a.k.a. Harley Quinn, is definitely getting a lot of buzz for I, for I, Tanya, And perfect timing by those filmmakers teaming up to make sure that their release of that film co coincides with uh, the Winter Olympics, which, of course, is the universe that that's set in for, for female figure skating. Uh, Terry Gilliam's Don Quixote is finally coming out after 20 years of development. That uh, I saw. That I saw. Well documented in a 2002 documentary. Um, what do you think about this actually coming to fruition? It's all shot. It's just a matter of editing. I feel like a bomb's going to drop on that edit suite and, and stop that film from, from coming out. It's finally out. He's finally seen it. What do you? Is it going to live up to the hype? No, nothing can live up to. Just uh, talk to Sony with the Last Guardian. Nothing can live up to the hype for that. But I, I will say this: that at least it's coming out, so that people that have been interested, intrigued in it for a number of years now, will finally go ahead and get to see that. Terry Gilliam is a great filmmaker, first and foremost. I love so much of his work. If anybody's out there that is a, is a younger member of the audience that is looking to watch a good film from the 1980s, check out Brazil. I truly recommend that as a, a great film. I know that back in the day it was either a love it or hate it film, but I really think now it has grown in uh, stature as to be a, a very, very appreciated film. I think that's something to look out for. Then obviously, you know, obviously his work with Monty Python is, is self-explanatory as well. I mean, the legend and, and of time this bandits, of course. Well, the, the legend of this film is, is up there with the legend that he's, that he's making Don Quixote. I do think he's one of the truly great fantasy filmmakers that's left. I would love to see him take on a superhero property of some sort just to bring his unique vision of, of the world to life. He's well known for doing practical effects and in-camera solutions. Uh, my favorite film by Gilliam is Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas with Johnny Depp and Benicio Del Toro. Fantastic film. Uh, Gilliam, love him or hate him, he always makes something interesting. You mentioned Brazil with De Niro, of course. He's, he's a great filmmaker, and I don't think it should be about Will Don Quixote and his version of it, Live Up to the Hype. It's, for me, great to see a filmmaker not give up on that. It's cool to see it finally come to fruition, and we should just take it for what it is. It's a classic story. Everybody knows the story, so it's not going to wow us in that way, but how is he going to choose to tell it in his typical Terry Gilliam fashion? That's what's interesting. Speaking of finally coming back, X-Files returns, too, in 2018. I'm not feeling the love for this return as we had before. I was going to say, so does Roseanne. So does Roseanne. And there seems to be a little bit more buzz about Roseanne than the X-Files. Which is a shame because the X-Files looks to be more interesting, but that's just my point of view. Are you pumped for the X-Files or, or where, do you, where do you sit on that? I just, I just said, like, it's something I'm interested in, intrigued a little bit. I watched, uh, I wasn't a diehard fan of the previous entry installment and whatnot, but I did enjoy it here and there, depending on the episode of what they were doing, what they were going after. But is it, am I correct or not? Jillian Anderson is already leaving the show. Is that correct or no? I believe that, yeah, she's done with it again after this, this entry, but maybe it's over. Maybe this is the last entry like for it. It's like um, a short series, and that's it. Then why bring it back? 
Well, more importantly, why bring it back if it's still the same tone and approach that it was in the 90s? Like, why not, as the trailblazer for procedural paranormal investigation stuff, go further and push the envelope in, in a way, even if you miss, at least you're reaching further than anybody else. Right now, you're just doing the same thing and you look dated uh, because of you haven't grown, you haven't evolved, you're doing exactly the same thing. And I think for a series like X-Files to be relevant, it has to expand based on what it is. You got the name, you've got the actors for this time, make it bigger, make it bigger, make it more interesting, take a chance. Exactly. I think they should, but will they, or, or like, like I said, if Jillian Anderson is already leaving the series and it must be a limited run of some type, I, I don't foresee big things from it. And which is a shame because if, if it's dead before it already starts, that's not giving it a full chance. I, I hope they do go beyond what they did in the nineties and evolve to a modern day version as far as something that will expound the interests of the viewers out there, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful, man, but it's kind of a bummer when you already know the, the one of the leads is already gone, but, you know, before it really even comes back to fruition. Yeah, it kind of starts uh, making it a bit of a guessing game while you're watching it. Like, is she going to get killed off? How is she going to exit? Is she going to disappear? You know, I, that that's a shame. I hate when you hear little tidbits about, you know, the the drama or the news surrounding the production of something and it pulls you out of the story that's happening because you're waiting for the shoe to drop. Maybe blame it on the showrunners who couldn't write co enough compelling material yeah, as an actress to keep her around. That's true. That's I mean, true. We saw Duchovny leave the, the role for how many years before Robert Patrick came in because he was sick of doing the same thing and he found tons of success and more interesting roles outside of being Fox Mulder. So, if you've already got someone that's left the show before it even actually has debuted on television, that just, it's almost like takes you almost out of the experience. Fair enough, fair enough. Two things that I want to talk about uh, before we get to the last little segment here, uh, and that's the new 8-Bit Heroes has finally come out January 1st, uh, 2018. The new 8-Bit Heroes, of course, is a documentary on making an NES game by Joe Granado, a good friend of ours who I've worked with very closely, who is responsible for making the Nintendo Quest game, uh, Nintendo Quest NES game based on our documentary. Uh, it comes out, it's on Prime already. Check it out, the new 8-Bit Heroes. You basically see Joe go home and discover his plans for a Nintendo game that he made when he was eight years old. And Joe, in the way that only Joe can do it, in a crazy way, decides that he's going to fulfill his childhood dream of making an NES game based on the existing plans, not uh, an NES-like game, not something on Steam using Unity or something that's just an 8-bit. He wants to program on actual uh, hardware and, and put it on actual release a cartridge. He wants to follow his design uh, schematics and make a cart and release it and let people play it. And let me tell you, having been a part of this, it is quite the roller coaster affair that he endures everywhere from Florida to New York to Vegas to LA to Portland. He basically hits every corner of the country in order to, to go on this adventure to see if he can make this happen. Check it out. Again, if you've got Prime, I think you can check it out for free right now. Otherwise, you can rent and download it. Uh, it's also on Vimeo, another way to check it out if you're outside the U.S. Uh, and along with that, Joe, in a couple weeks, will be launching a Kickstarter campaign for NES Maker. 
Now, if you've ever dreamed about making your own Nintendo game, Joe is here to help you do that. He has been working for the last year and a bit, which is why our game for Nintendo Quest has been delayed, because he has made a whole tool set, a game engine, if you will, that allows people with little or no code experience at all to make their very own Nintendo game, and with a little bit of hardware that you can select as a reward, or it's available out there right now, you can flash uh, your designs to an actual cartridge and play it on a Nintendo. So this is a, a Kickstarter project that he's launching in a couple weeks. So if you're interested in making Nintendo games, old school style, with the limitations, love them or hate them, this is your chance. Uh, from what I understand, everything is very fairly priced. Uh, you're going to love it, and it is the foundation for the Nintendo Quest uh, NES game that's coming out. And it's going to be cool. It's going to be really cool, I'm telling you right now. Oh, that sounds good. I can't wait to see it and uh, to check it out, definitely. And look forward to that Kickstarter as well. Speaking of crowdfunding, uh, the last thing I want to talk about is something you and I have been going back and forth a little bit, off, off mic, if you will, about the allure. Has crowdfunding and Kickstarter and Indiegogo lost a little bit of luster? And I've been talking to you about saying, you know, I kind of want to do something with crowdfunding. I want to get back in the space, and I wasn't really sure kind of what it was. And I finally launched Crowdfunding Spectacular, which is a Facebook page and a YouTube channel. It's in its infancy, but every day or so you're going to see me make a new video where I break down a campaign or talk about crowdfunding in a certain way. And the crux to all of this is, is the campaign worth backing or is it a bust? So are you going to be a backer or is it busted? So that's the approach I'm taking. I want to become a super backer in terms of Kickstarter which has a criteria of backing so many projects with a dollar amount over the course of a calendar year. So every day as I look at different campaigns that are out there and I learn about the, the space because I want to be an expert at crowdfunding in, in every possible way and learn about what works for campaigns and what doesn't work, can I find enough campaigns that will make me a super backer or are there going to be a bunch of campaigns out there that are like just completely busted and not worth my time and money? You'll see everything that I find. It's going to go out there. It's free to check out these videos. Most of the videos I've done so far are about a half hour long. And if you're interested in launching your own campaign and you want to know about it, watch the videos. You're going to learn a ton about what works and what doesn't work, what I think you should try to do, what you shouldn't try to do. And if you think your campaign that you are launching is worthy of backing, send it to me. I'll put it through the rigor. I'll vet it. I'll let you know if if I put my money down and become a backer of your project. Definitely, you can send that to Rob McZob on Twitter, Rob McCallum Films on Facebook, or if you want to just shoot it through us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos and at Pop Culture Cosmos on Twitter, we'll definitely get that info to Rob as far as you know, him incorporating it into the crowdfunding spectacular Facebook page. You want to like that as well, crowdfunding spectacular. And I definitely uh, have checked out a couple of the videos already, and it's definitely interesting to hear your thoughts on that. In fact, uh, well, actually, I'll, I'll see if he's interested in uh, actually throwing it on the back end of some episodes with us as well. So, Of, of course. Throw, throw whatever you want. I, I just did a, a video, uh, depending on when this airs, on a campaign that has, uh, I think, five or six weeks left called Capley. And this is a campaign that's already almost tripled its goal. They were looking for 30000 They're almost at... Uh, 90,000 already and that would tell you right away that oh man this must be a runaway hit there's like 40 days left on it oh what are they doing right and as I start kind of going through the campaign it's like huh I kind of like this but look at all this other stuff that doesn't make sense and again 
every time you watch a video, you got to ask yourself, is Rob going to back it or is it busted? You know, so take a look at it and see what's worth it. And to be honest, one of the reasons I'm doing this is to share some of my insights and, and kind of discover the, you know, what works and what doesn't work. But I also want to see what's coming out there on an indie level. You know, creators like me are all over the place and a lot of people have supported my endeavors. I want to see what's out there as well so that I can get on the ground floor of some great movies, some great text, some comics, whatever it is I want to discover. And I'm hoping that I find more projects that are worth backing than campaigns that are completely busted. And if they're worth backing, you're going to hear about it and it's going to be out there. It's going to be on Twitter. It's going to be on Facebook. It's going to be on YouTube. Definitely. And as someone who gets inquiries from dozens and dozens of Indiegogo projects, Kickstarter projects and the like, uh, it's definitely some, something very interesting for me as well. So uh, definitely appreciate that. Once again, you want to check out his Facebook page, Crowdfunding Spectacular, to find out more info and to check out all the videos. So Rob, I love uh, our conversation today, man. I'm telling you, it's been really, really cool. And definitely uh, want to go ahead and, and chat more in the coming months about all the th great things that you're excited for in pop culture in 2018. Yeah, it's uh, it's been good to be back with a little Christmas hiatus from yours truly. Family time has got to come first. But uh, as, as Aerosmith says, you know, back in the saddle again, here we are. Uh, it'd be fun to get back to cross, uh, Cosmic Crossfire next week. And uh, maybe I'll even highlight some of the stuff we're doing in Crowdfunding Spectacular, too. Sounds good, my friend. Indeed, it's always great to have you part of the Cosmic Crossfire and, of course, the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back with more of the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Joe Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the podcast. Josh, I know you got a lot of great things going on in Humanica Media, and I want you to let me know exactly everything that's going on there. But first, I want to give everybody an update what's going on with a great show on the Gunna Geek Network, and that's from the great show, Just One More Fix. You want to check them out because James and Lacey are taking a look at the upcoming RPGs and, and what games they're looking forward to in 2018 that's just one more fix from our friends at Gunny Geek. We're also on Gunny Geek, but we're on a lot more outlets, including Apple Podcasts, also as well, Podchaser, the ESO Network, the Tangibound Network, Google Play, and you want to check us out on any one of those channels or on our over dozen audio outlets. But Josh has got a great thing going on with Humanica Media. You can catch that on Podbean, YouTube, podcast.com, Apple Podcasts, and so much more. So Josh, what are the great shows that you've got coming up very soon at your awesome channel known as Humanica Media? You forgot to mention the Pop Culture Cosmos is also on uh, Napster and Winamex, LimeWire. Um, and anywhere you want to pirate a podcast, you can find us. That's, that's just, uh, you know, we, we want to make it easy for you. We may be going on vinyl next. 
Yes, yes, final. Um, yeah, for Humanity Media, we have coming up this week, uh, tomorrow you can listen to a brand new What About This. A new episode of Topicocalypse went up tonight. Um, you know, I'm sure this week sometime there'll be a new episode of Inside Sports. And uh, just keep keep up to date on our Facebook page, and you'll see everything that we post in its entirety. So many things. I'll tell you what. A lot of great stuff. What about this? Topicocalypse, Inside Sports, Super BS Gamescast. You got to check out all those awesome podcasts today. Get the info on how to listen to it by just checking out and liking and following the Humanity Media Facebook and Twitter pages. Netflix has done very well again with another movie that has garnered lots of views and a lot of millions of views. In fact, so much so that they just greenlit a sequel for it. And that is for Bright, which is the kind of like reimagining near future fantasy cop movie starring Will Smith and Joel Edgerton. It's done so well. Like I said, it has garnered a sequel, but it hasn't garnered great critical response. In fact, a lot of people are disliking the movie hand over fist, but that hasn't stopped viewers from watching the movie and watching it in tons. I want to ask you, Josh, this comes hot off the heels of Adam Sandler and his movies actually doing very well on Netflix, despite critical backlash as well. What does this say about our viewing habits when it comes to seeing stars that we traditionally see on the big screen come to the small screen and have movies specially made for them from the Netflix channel? I think it's a safer uh, option for them because, you know, look at Will Smith's career. Like, what, what was the last thing he did that was truly, I think, Pursuit of Happiness, probably the last movie he did that was garnered really any type of acclaim. You know, it's same thing with Adam Sandler. Uh, so I think putting something on Netflix is a, is a lot safer bet than, you know, say, putting all your ba- eggs into a, uh, you know, big budget Hollywood basket. But, um, you know, Adam, from what I understand, the Adam Sandler movie has been very popular. Bright is doing well amongst, you know, casual couch watchers. It's, it's uh, you know, it's garnered. Obviously, the critics don't like it, but it's not, you know, it's getting a lot of views from people who just want to sit on their couch and watch movies. And I think that might be a safer model for stars who are, uns- who, you know, people are unsure of their success on the big screen, but they, uh, you know, might garner a better following on Netflix. Netflix has, you know, they basically don't have anything to lose by catering something to somebody who used to be famous. I, I agree with you. I see what they're doing as a start off point for other actors and actresses who we've become familiar with. And I'll let you speculate on any actors, actresses that might follow that lead, but I definitely see actress and actresses of that ilk following that lead to making projects specifically for Netflix. And if it turns out well, and I see that pipeline continuing and I also see HBO, Hulu and, and so many others, I think a lot of these streaming services probably will try to garner their own. I don't want to say a list actor at this point, maybe an a minus actor, B plus act list actor or B act list actor as someone that they can go ahead and start bankrolling their movies off of and also their original productions off of as well. So I, I see that happening going forward for a quite a few of them. If not just at Netflix, I see them at on the, some of these other streaming services as well. Yeah, yeah. So there's, I mean, there's a, there's a big pool to uh, 
you know, to take from, uh, you know, obviously we're not going to see the rock on Netflix anytime soon, but Vin Diesel is a name that comes to mind, assuming the fast and the furious franchise stops at some point, Vin Diesel, someone I think we could see on in a Netflix movie, maybe, uh, there's, a. Uh, Johnny Depp was somebody I would I would throw out. Johnny Depp, even like I would say Will Ferrell because his movies have gotten so like low budget and so frequent that he might as well be on Netflix with Adam Sandler. What are your thoughts on Bright? As far as did you enjoy it on Netflix? Is it something you think was worthy of a sequel? Because we're not exactly high on it here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, but we see a continuing trend of individual name actors and actresses that are going to start with their own vehicles. We think that's what's going to happen with Netflix or other streaming services. What are your thoughts? Pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com. Well, I actually, I want to hear your thoughts on who or what names you have in mind that might follow in Adam Sandler's and Will Smith's footsteps. Once again, pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com also as well, pop culture cosmos and humanic media on Facebook and Twitter as well. This week on Myopia Defend Your Childhood. Myopia Defend Your Childhood is so named because I believe we are short-sighted on the things we watched as kids. So every week we watch a movie that one of the panelists grew up watching and see if they hold up from comedy to cartoons or to action. And for this season, the last Thursday of each month, we're doing a TV show in our Myopia Morning segments. We watch Saturday morning cartoons and afternoon classics. So find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. How will you stand when we put your past on trial? Myofia Defender Childhood is a member of the ESO Network and produced by Dude Letter Podcasting. And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast and, and listening to us as we close out today's program. Once again, you want to check us out on Fridays for the PCC Multiverse. Check out all the great stuff that Josh has got going on with Humanic and Media and I, I'm still very confident that we will be on the podcast radio network again real soon. Just can't wait to get that network back up and running. And I'm looking forward to CES 2018 this week and obviously trying to see what I can do to get some interviews there. And I'm hopeful that I can go ahead and be able to play it on the show and we'll give you the insight of what's going on at that awesome show over the next few episodes. Josh. We're coming to a pinnacle year here in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Obviously, everybody knows that Infinity War is coming around. This made a theaters. We've also got some great things going on with the Marvel Cinematic Universe ourselves. And leading up to another fantastic movie, which I think is going to be a big hit, Black Panther. But I want to hear your thoughts first on what we're going to be doing in the next few episodes, like I said, I know Nate Phillips is doing something similar, but we thought it was such a cool idea. We're going to try and do, you know, bring our own perspective on it as well. So what plans do you have for us leading into this? The, well, I think was going to be a great movie coming up in black Panther. See, I, I didn't even, I didn't know Nate Phillips was doing this. I was, I was going to do it regardless, just kind of catch up because I, you know, need to go back and watch a lot of these movies to, refresh my mind a little bit but we are going to be watching a movie each uh before each episode and then we're going to be breaking it down before each episode so that way we will have watched every movie leading up to avengers infinity war so each episode tune in you'll get to hear our thoughts on uh 
on the heroes and what they're doing, where they're going, uh, you know, and how the Marvel Cinematic Universe has changed and shifted and evolved since the original entry of Iron Man back in 2006, I want to say, correct? 2008. 2008. But also, but also yeah. as well, as I pop back in here, that we also want to discuss how important or how relevant it is to what's going on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because some of these movies don't feel like they're going to be really attached to the what's going on with Infinity War and all that. You know, Just off the top of my head, I don't want to name any pictures because obviously that would ruin it for our thoughts coming up. But I think some of these pictures have stayed relevant and I think some others have not. Don't you think that as well? That's true. A lot of them, like, you know... It, what I remember, they don't hold up too well to, uh, you know, to age and uh, the years gone by. You know, there's but also this... the way it directs. It, you know, some of these you can see Marvel it was some of the films changing their plans as far as what they have long term envisioned. And then at the time that they were making some of these films, some of the films have still a great tie into what's going on. But some of these other Marvel films, I don't think really still continuously ha hold as well as some others as far as being an important key cog in that Infinity Wars lineup. Right, and you can see a lot of places they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't, uh, you know, the Spider-Man obviously caused a big shift in direction for them. Yeah, and like even, you know, as far as tone and storytelling techniques, directing, all, and as far as all that stuff goes, like, yeah, there's, there's a big change, especially when... Um, James Gunn came along to do Guardians of the Galaxy, and that kind of created a whole new, uh, new like aspect in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Not just in like the cosmic side of it, but the way that the Marvel approached their directors and had the films written, and kind of saw audience feedback and all that stuff. Well, definitely, that's something to check out. Again, it's going to be our thoughts on as we as we break down each of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films leading up to. Black Panther on February 16th. And it's going to be a great time indeed for us as we first, for both of us, in some cases, we're going to be the first time we've seen a couple of these movies in years. Basically, like I said, how it ties into the Marvel cinematic universe. We're going to discuss that over the next few weeks on not only the pop culture cosmos, but the PCC multiverse as well. I know you're excited about Black Panther as just as much as I am. I recently was on the Voice from the Underground podcast and all those great guys there. And I was able to go ahead and, and share some thoughts on Black Panther. And there were some great thoughts as well that was given on the movie and what it will do as far as from a, not only just a movie and a money standpoint, but also as a cultural and a social standpoint as well and how positive it's going to be. I definitely think that it has a chance to equal the money that Thor and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 did in the mid $800 million. I think that it has a great chance of matching that and being that pinnacle movie heading into Infinity War that we really, really need that follows up on that very, very good Thor Ragnarok movie. And while well, we didn't think it was so great on the Guardians of the Galaxy, but still, you know, tying in there and making Infinity War even bigger than it already is as far as the anticipation is concerned. But your thoughts on Black Panther and, and leading into it, just your excitement for actually the movie and seeing that. I, in some ways, could we be more excited about seeing Black Panther than the Infinity War itself? Yes and no. I think that Black Panther, 
you know, obviously it has some, it has a vital missing piece in it to uh, the, the build up to Infinity War. And it, it does look like a cool movie and it's got, there's, there's a lot of like questions that were asked in the end of uh, Civil War that we didn't really get the answers to. Like, for example, uh, you know, Bucky, what's going on with Bucky? Is he going to make an appearance in Black Panther? But then just like the trailers for Black Panther looked spectacular. And I'm not just saying that from like the, you know, they did a lot of really cool stuff with like the cultural um, aspect of it, as far as like the music and the, uh, the, the cities and the, all the, all the cool little stuff that ties into that within that movie. But it just looks like a really cool, well put together film, like something it looks like a, a visual spectacle, even more so than like Avatar did back when it came out. It's just, I don't know. I'm really looking forward to seeing um, what they do with these characters because this is a very, you know, obviously a lot of these comic books are really old, but Black Panther is one of those ones that was designed for a certain era, a certain time. And, um, you know, Netflix didn't do it so well with Iron Fist, but with Black Panther, it, it looks like they really handled the source material well. I agree with you on that. They have done an absolute great job of selling this movie. I think the trailer, as I stated on that podcast, is probably, if not the best, one of the best trailers of 2017 and how it presented it. Uh, definitely has a lot of people excited and a lot of people gearing up for superhero films still. And, and I don't think it's going to cause any superhero fatigue. I think people are gearing up to to see Infinity War, but they're also really excited about Black Panther. And I, I, I know I am. I just thought that trailer was just awesome. And it has got me hook, line, and sinker. And I, I cannot wait until the family and I go out and get to check out mid-February Black Panther. But it all leads up to Infinity War uh, against you know the big man himself, Thanos. and I know you got a chance to check this out, but I wanted to make sure we leave the podcast on a lighter note. But what is up with the name that Marvel gave Thanos the other day? I'll tell you what. They announced recently that, I guess in one of their issues, that Thanos' original name is not Thanos and that it's something else. And when they announced it, I, they had a lot of people shaking their heads and scratching their heads. And I want to ask you, Josh, what do you think of Thanos' original name, Dion? It's funny you ask me that. Do you know when I am writing stories, I Google names. Like I see what names are popular. And like I always want to look for one that hasn't been used, something original, something that doesn't sound stupid. And I think that Marvel has such a huge list of names for all their characters, all the aliens and all the stuff like that. I think they just ran out of like clever things to, to say or do. And like, I don't, you know, I don't know if Dion has any like specific meaning or anything, but it's just, I think they were, it was just lazy planning on their part. And they just got kind of got over the whole, whoever wrote the comic book got over the whole concept of trying to find a clever name because you know, there are a ton of alien names in the Marvel universe out there. And, you know, there, there's some like even in the ultimate comics that are like, they're literally two names held together by an apostrophe. So it's, I don't know, it's not a lot of thought went into it. Um, you know, if they're going to make something up, they could have gone a little more uh, frightening or intimidating, I guess. But hey, I'm glad his name is Thanos, not Dion. So Josh, any last thoughts on the way out, my friend? You 
We've had another great episode today. I want to thank Ron McCallum for stopping by in the Cosmic Crossfire. And definitely thank you, my friend, for hanging out with me once again right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Hey, it's been a pleasure as always. I'm hoping on, um, you know, sometime next week we could talk a little bit about the old uh, Game of Thrones announcement coming up. So definitely stay tuned for that. Definitely. In fact, we'll actually touch on that in the Thursday episode because I know 2019 is cannot be soon enough for a lot of people on there and we're going to delve into detail what our thoughts are on that on the thursday show as well as some some initial thoughts on the ces show itself so that and a whole lot more and we'll break down all the news and, and trends in pop culture as we always do twice a week right here at the pop culture cosmos and pcc multiverse we're just thankful that you're here to listen to us so for josh peterson this is gerald glassford It's another beautiful day right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at ESONetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness than the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Hey, welcome to another episode of Actor Busted. I'm your host, Rob McCallum, a.k.a. Rob McZob. And remember, if you want us to highlight your campaign or you need help with your campaign, just drop us an email at crowdfundingspectacular99 at gmail.com. Today, we're going to highlight Fredheads. It looks to be a documentary on the fandom behind Nightmare on Elm Street. So let's jump over to Indiegogo right now and take a look at the campaign. All right, here we are in Indiegogo, and we're dealing with another campaign that has a flexible goal, which, of course, we know from a few of our other videos that it doesn't matter if they hit the goal or not. They're going to receive a portion of the funds that they do have uh, kind of committed to them from backers. They have two months left to go. They've raised 1400 almost 1500 bucks. They're looking for $30,000. Now, fan documentaries is something that I know a little bit about. I've been able to make a couple of them that have trans- actually transformed from a fan approach to a more industry-level uh, approach. It's always what you hope when you do these things, that the you get more and more industry access to them. So it's not as relegated to just fans. But, uh, you know, I love myself some documentaries about IP and different brands that are out there. So this seems right up my alley. And right away, I feel like... This could be a project that I want to back. And I'm looking at the thumbnail for the video. we got the, the Freddy Krueger uh, stripe. This is obviously a documentary about the fandom behind Nightmare on Elm Street, as I mentioned earlier. Fred Head's the documentary. Uh, let's just jump right in and, and t- see what their pitch video looks like. I'm excited. Let's go. Go, 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 go. Welcome to Fred Head's, baby. <laughs> What up, everybody? It's your boy, Rockstar DJ Trey, and I'm definitely a Fred head. I'm a Fred head. I'm a Fred head. I'm a Fred head. I'm Tuesday night, and I'm a Fred head. Hi. I'm a Fred head. I'm Johnny Hustle, and I'm a Fred head. <laughs> you want to know who's the biggest Fred head? This girl. No. I'm the biggest Fred head. No, no, no. I'm the Fred head. No. I'm Ricky Dean Logan, and 
and I can tell you something. I'm a Fredhead! You got it wrong. I'm the biggest Fredhead. No, no, no. I'm Miko Hughes, and I'm a Fredhead. I'm the Fredhead. I'm the Fredhead. Oh, you just caught me wearing my Fredhead glasses. I'm sorry. I, I wear them all the time. Believe it. I'm the Fredhead. It's so important to so many people. There's a weird thing, it's like you're going through your daily life just being a normal person, and then someone writes you an email and says, you're important to me, and it means that you have to live up to maybe a bigger, a higher ideal. It, there used to be a time, you didn't let anybody know you loved horror films, or you loved horror novels. You, you, you were alone, kind of, because that was kind of considered, oh, kind of weird, maybe, you know what I mean? So with inventions and whatnot, it is a place for everyone to come together and be one big happy family and go, you love horror? I do too. And you can have talk rooms and chat and talk about the films and the characters and the certain whatever series you like, whether it's Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street or why you like one more than the other. So it is a, like a family. It's a community that has come together. You feel less alone, you know? It's like, oh, I'm not the only one anymore, you know? It's like there's millions out there that share your common interests. I'm Lisa Wilcox, and I'm a friend. Hi, I'm Paige Joy. I'm the creator and director of Fred Heads the Documentary. What is Fred Heads the Documentary? It's a documentary about the fandom of the Nightmare on Elm Street world. It's the fan side of the story. It's your story, it's my story, it's all of our story. Last year, a friend of mine was telling me how this franchise really has changed his life. And I shared with him my story and how I was severely bullied growing up and how this franchise and this film really saved my life. And without this film, I would not be here. It sparked an idea. Fredhead's the documentary. I knew that there were others like us out there. I knew that there were other people who had been experiencing things, whether it's going through their parents' divorce, or the loss of a loved one, or severely bullied. There were so many things that kind of connected this movie as a survival story. I knew there were others out there that didn't see this as just a typical slasher film. I brought the idea to Northgate Pictures and Ben Pictures, and we all agreed that we loved it. We all knew that there was a story there that we had to tell. Fredhead's The Documentary is following a group of friends as they discover how this nightmare community has changed not only their lives, but everybody else's. How it's brought them all to this sense of home that they consider in the community. The documentary is going to feature tons of fans from around the country who have gathered around at different conventions, as well as worldwide now that we've opened submissions. It's also going to feature a bunch of the original franchise stars as they share their stories and why the fans mean so much to them. This community has really brought us together and I'm so thankful for it and so thankful for each and every person who is a part of my life now because of this film. Isn't it funny that a guy like Freddy can bring us all together? So why are we doing a crowdfunding? We're about 90% done with our documentary, and it's that extra 10% that we just need a little bit of help with. We thought we would get the fans involved. We're giving away tons of stuff, such as a Nightmare on Elm Street Dream Warriors house, custom made, signed by Robert England. We're also giving away a one-of-a-kind Freddy glove made by Brian Sills from Demented Glove Works, specific for the Fred Heads documentary. And we're giving away tons of swag, tons of Fredhead swag. Even our Freddy's rocking our sunglasses. We're gonna have t-shirts, DVDs, baseball hats, sunglasses, 
even a booby traps book for behind the scenes of our documentary. And we're so thankful for you guys for everything that you have done for us, including supporting this crowdfunding. My name is Paige Joy, and I am a Fredhead. Are you? So that's the Fredhead's pitch video for the fan documentary on Nightmare on Elm Street. We heard from Paige, the director, and we get a video that comes in just under five minutes, which again, is really too long for something like crowdfunding. You really want to get one minute, two minute, two and a half is kind of like the tops. And, and it's not a bad sweet spot for everything that you're trying to basically talk about and discuss. So let's just step through the video and see what works. I'm not a huge fan of this opening with Freddy here. The uh, audio is not great by any stretch. It's not how I would grab the attention of people that are watching. Uh, we have a bunch of people for the next 45, 50, about 50 seconds that basically just say I'm a Fredhead. Now, the point is made after the, the third or fourth person that people are Fredheads. Uh, they never actually say what a Fredhead is. Uh, one can assume, given that this is a fan documentary on uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, that it's somebody obsessed with Freddy uh, in that franchise as people are dressed up like that. But that point is made really quickly and, and early on. It's nice to see some of the costumes and it's nice to see some of the... Uh, industry people like the actors uh, appear on camera and talk clearly a lot of this filming here was done at a single con maybe there's a couple cons here it's hard to tell but it's all of the same ilk there's no professional uh, interview settings that are done there's no other production values that we see here it's all done more or less in the same space which is fine again this is a pitch video maybe they only had enough money to go out before they started raising money here and just you know film at one or two cons to tell their story just so they had something to showcase like totally get it i respect it and i understand where they're coming from it's not a knock but hey if you get to choose from anything that you get to do and showcase for crowdfunding you always want to put your best foot forward so you always try to do more and more and more and more because frankly anybody could do a, a like a jason documentary uh, or you know a Texas Chainsaw documentary and just film it at, at a fan con and it would look exactly the same as this. So what about your project here in this case makes it stand out? So as we step through the documentary here and I'm just scrubbing through the timeline, um, we get this question: Are you a Fredhead? Again, no question mark here though, and this is a, a a question, right? So we should definitely have a question mark. And they could have done a cool slash or something like that uh, with Freddy's glove. So at about the two minute mark, we hear from the creator of Fredheads. Uh, she's really well spoken, her name is Paige, she's dressed like Freddy, she's got nightmare attire in the background. Everything about this whole video though screams fan doc, it doesn't scream, you know, pro high-end industry filmmaker. And again, that's fine. Sometimes what you love about this is that it is from the fans and it is a voice from the fans but you're not gonna get necessarily that well-polished, slick-looking endeavor that you get with other documentaries that are out there. And I've done documentaries on both sides of the fence, stuff that looks super fan-related and stuff that looks super high-end. And, and frankly, there's an audience for both. So if you want something that's high-end, it's probably not gonna be this documentary. That doesn't mean that I'm not a fan of it yet. I just am throwing it out there because I'm a picky kind of filmmaker and those little things that I don't necessarily love that I that are happening in this pitch video. So let's keep going here. Uh, they talk about the different rewards that, uh, that are available like this house. That's a nice little prop. This glove that's done just for the film. And then there's a few other things like sunglasses and 
uh, this book on booby traps. So that's kind of cool. All in all, pitch video, way too long. Not enough uh, variety in there. We don't get to talk about uh, anything more than the fandom. All we know is that this is a documentary from the fans about the franchise, but we don't understand what kinds of topics we're going to cover or what the journey of the film or documentary is going to be. So that is a major knock against it, and I don't know what I'd be backing because if you're asking for money, uh, to support it to get like a DVD or a digital download right now It's just based on the fact that I may or may not like a nightmare on Elm Street and hopefully what you put together here is convincing enough I'm not sure it is so far. Okay overview Fred heads is an independent documentary uh, Feature-length documentary about the fandom behind Wes Craven's a nightmare on Elm Street uh, due out in late 2018 the documentary will take you on a journey of fandom self-discovery that wouldn't have been possible without this cult classic film from the 1980s and its eccentric main character so again we don't know anything about the film yet it just says it's going to take us on a journey of fandom but what kinds are we going to go visit the ultimate freddy fans are we going to go see crazy collections are we going to go see the props and like i just don't know what i'm seeing yet i really like this poster though this is catchy, this is 80s, I love the colors, it's professionally done. This is some great key art, and this alone could be enough to get them a sale. I don't like that the lines come up here and stop. I would like to see them come across here and just basically create like a frame within a frame. This is really cool though, I like it a lot. Uh, would like maybe a little bit more of an outliner on this fredhead so we can understand what the title says, because it, it is a little obscure and hidden, so... Uh, maybe even bold it down here if it's like right here. So maybe bold that so that we can see what it is and maybe center this so that if people can't see what the film is, they can at least have their eyes drawn over here. Let's go to the overview. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street's global cultural phenomenon is giving eternal life and legacy to its villain, Freddy Krueger. Fred Heads is about the fans within the Nightmare on Elm Street community. As uh, continues to thrive, it's continued to thrive for many years after, 84, after the 84 release. Again, a horrible uh, person when it comes to reading out loud. Apologies. Fans of all ages, both national and international, are invited to share their story. So are invited. Let's careful that passive voice. We invite fans of all ages, nationally and internationally, to share the story. With our central theme of how of being a fan can change your life, Fredheads will feature enthusiasts of all types, passionate fanatics, aficionados, cosplay creators, artists, filmmakers, kids, and more. The documentary will also feature insight from the stars and creators involved in the original series, exploring the enduring legacy, cultural impact, and the passion of Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, passion of the Elm Street fan community. So this is a little bit more of what I would love to have seen within the actual pitch video up here and even in the overview. I'm glad that it is here, but this is probably the first thing I'm going to click because I want to know a little bit more, and if I don't do, if I don't get what I want from there, I'm going to read this, and that might be it. You may have blown your chance for me to have to scroll down here, all the way, and and find out about it. So this is good that there is some thought. It still doesn't quite tell me enough about what the structure of the film is, and we know who we're going to hear from. And I like the detail uh, in the cast kind of breakdown. We're going to hear from fanatics, aficionados, cosplayers, creators, artists, and filmmakers. A lot of those are just synonyms for other. Uh, it's synonymous kinds of people there's not are we going to hear from university scholars that talk about uh the impact of this kind of myth or storytelling are we going to hear from uh kids that are watching it for the first time and how it affects them like really break it down so it's not just like what's the difference really between passionate fanatics and a cosplayer on some line a cosplayer is probably a passionate fanatic so you're not really differentiating all that much here we go message from the director so we hear from Paige again, creator, director, one of the producers. Basically, uh, wow, it, Nightmare on Elm Street has done more 
then impact my life. It has saved my life in the darkest of times. I've turned to Elm Street. It is a survival story. It is my best friend. It is my comfort. It is my home. This should have been in that pitch video, and this should have been the very first thing that we hear. You're telling us it has saved your life, and in the darkest of times, you have turned to it, and it is a survival story for at least for you. That hooks me because there's a human element to it. That's what you need to do right away. Traveling the country and meeting other fans and friends who all share similar story sparked an idea. I knew there was other authors who saw this more than just a film. Uh, just reading through quickly. Ben Pictures and Northgate Pictures have been traveling country interview various peoples from fan celebrities that represent some of Fred Head cultures. We have opened our submissions worldwide. It's, it's my story. It's your story. Our story. We are all Fred Heads. That's great. Who's in the film? Okay. So this is where we break down some of the people. Along with our main Fred Heads, these people, including herself, we have pleasure speaking with numerous cast and crew members involved in the Elm Street series. Uh, Elm Street 4 and 5, 4, 4 and 5, 4, 4, 5. Uh, Final Nightmare, Wes Craven's A New Nightmare 5, 4, Kruger Fan Film Series, uh, and NECA and Shout Factory, Filmmaker and Artist. So this is a cool one. This is a little bit different. We don't have really anybody from the early films, so that definitely skews what we're going to get here. That's not that it's bad, because there's certainly an authority on, on what it is and what it was like to be in it, and they can talk about the fan culture. But I would really like to see someone from the first film, the second film, or even the third film. And these people are out there because I'm friends with some of them on Facebook, and they love doing stuff like this. So they're out there. Uh, who, what's on the DVD? In addition to the feature-length Fred Heads documentary, the limited edition DVD will include tons of extra content. Planned special features include multiple audio commentaries, deleted scenes, bloopers, and extended footage. I don't know that bloopers really has a place in this, especially if you're making a documentary. Documentary bloopers are really more fun for the filmmakers than anybody else. But hey, it's cool to see their deleted scenes is nice. Multiple audio commentaries. That's interesting. I don't know that I go back and listen to a lot of stuff like that again. But uh, yeah. Why should I pre-order? So this is so important. So I really love a couple things that this campaign has done already. Okay, Other than some of the organization and missing information, I love the key art. I said it right away. This overview is good. The message from the director is good. I would have condensed both of these just a little bit to get to the meat and potatoes. I like that who's in the film. I would have put it a little bit lower uh, in terms of what you have here. What's on the DVD? That's important. But again, why should I pre-order? It's so important that you mention this. Because that is the central question. Why should I pre-order? Why should I back this project right now? Thank you for doing this. Uh, Pre-ordering Fred Heads on Indiegogo shows your support will help us complete the film faster. Those that order through the campaign will be the first to receive the limited editions Fred Head DVD and we ship internationally. Your money goes directly to producing the discs, which are professionally authored, manufactured with the highest amount of care, taken into consideration. The number of pre-orders also helps us determine the demand. Various other perks, many of which are exclusive to this campaign, are also available. So that's cool. Basically, they're trying to raise money to produce discs, which is awesome. How will my money be used? So this is a really complicated chart because a lot of these colors are similar and they're going for that Freddy color combination. It looks like 40% here is going to production. Post-production is this chunk. 3% uh, is marketing. Uh, I mean, I get that it's all under here, but just trying to make sense of this, this pie chart doesn't make sense all that much. So I would have probably done this differently. It's, it is nice that it's broken down here. So perks and rewards, 10%, talent and cast, 10%. Uh, it is no surprise that the bulk is production and post-production. I would like to have seen some legal costs in here as well because you're doing something on an IP you don't own. 
So there's going to be legal costs and of course distribution costs as well. And you talk about distribution costs here, basically producing the costs. Your money goes directly to producing the discs. That's a distribution cost. Maybe they're just considering it post-production or marketing or perks and rewards, but it is kind of a uh, distribution cost. Thank you, Frederick Cruz. Like, thank you from the bottom of their boiler room hearts for taste. This is nice because now we're getting into stuff that the fans will recognize. The boiler room, Freddy's kind of lair. Really cool that they're putting some of that vernacular in there. I would have liked to have seen more of it through here. Even if you're unable to pledge the document, you can still support by sharing the link with your friends. We always love to hear from fellow Fredheads, so please visit the documentary page on Facebook. Uh, find out how you can submit your story. I'm actually curious about their page on Facebook, so I'm just going to go over here and see what we got here. They have over 1,500 people that like it, but when I go up here, they've only got 11 backers. Now, I don't know how long this has been, run, been running because I just jumped over to Indiegogo and it was the first thing that grabbed my attention because I have somewhat of a connection to the franchise, like I said, given some of the people that were in the project that are on my Facebook. But uh, that's surprising, 1,500 likes on their Facebook and only 11 backers. So we will share this campaign link with them and see if it, it helps a little bit. Select a perk. So they have a featured perk here, and that's a really nice thing that you can do on Indiegogo. You can put up front and center the perk that you think should be featured and advertise the most to people when they jump to your page. So 100 bucks, a little pricey. I would never probably do something that uh, pricey to feature because it's kind of a turnoff because it's sticker shock. Screw your pass is what it's called. Uh, and it's nice that you can always put these little images in uh, illustrations as part of the perks. Uh, Kickstarter doesn't have something like that. So that's very cool that you can do that over here on Indiegogo. $100. Okay. Screw your past. T-shirt, DVD, limited edition pins, and your name in the end credits. So it's not bad. Again, not a huge fan of T-shirts. I've said it a million times. Check out my other videos if you want to hear that diatribe again. It's just hard with two different genders, sizes, and screen printing to get it right. It's... Uh, while it might be cool for some people, it's it just it's not a winner for me. Um, it would be cool to see Fred Head across it. I have no idea what this looks like. I didn't see any images of the t-shirt over here. I'm just not uh, convinced it's the way to go. Okay, let's go down the list now. Let's count the number of perks or the sorry the rewards. They call them perks here. Let's count them so we can see what we're dealing with. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, sold out already. Uh, and then 20 for the featured one. So that is way too many perks as well. I know that when I start going through these, we're going to be able to eliminate some of them or suggestively remove some uh you really are going to create uh, consumer confusion when you have that many. They're going to go back and forth, try to compare. So $5, uh, it's basically a thank you and a social media shout out. Make this a dollar. And what is this $10, 50% off thing? This is a shout out. It would never cost 10 bucks to get a shout out. Not from a campaign that only has 11 backers. Let's, uh, I would rework that. You wonder why nobody has claimed that. 10 bucks you basically get the pin. Not a huge fan of that. They've only got 30 of them. Nobody else is a fan either. I think that's way too much money for a pin, something that's easily lost. And I don't want to pay for shipping on something like that. You know, so there you go. 25 bucks. DVD of Fredheads in high def. So it's a DVD, so it's probably not going to be in high def. It's going to be in standard definition. 
uh, plus many bonus features, and in English, which is nice. Uh, this do this pledge includes the making of the documentary, so there's a behind-the-scenes feature, which is nice. It's not going to be in high def, and unless you're, well, I mean, I don't want to get into the technical mumbo-jumbo, but chances are if it's feature length, it's not going to be in high def. It's going to be in standard definition, so is it going to be on Blu-ray? Lots of questions there. Uh, 25 bucks. it's a fair price for it. There's five people that are back that good on them. $35. Uh, T-shirt and digital download. Why don't we just have a digital download tier? I didn't see one of those. I just went from uh, 5 bucks, which is a, a shout-out, 10 bucks to a pin to 25 bucks of a DVD. And here we've got just a T-shirt and a digital download of the film. I think they could have introduced a digital download at the $10 level uh, and got rid of the pin and then that would have been better, and they could have probably pushed a lot of those units out there. So, missed opportunity, I believe. Mind over matter, 50 bucks. Digital download of the film and your name in the credits at the end of the film. Why does a $50 reward not include a physical copy? And the end credits, so okay. Lots of questions going on here, and now I'm starting to get upset, and it's hard to back this project. $75, screw your sleep. You get Fredhead's limited edition pin, a DVD, plus a T-shirt. And no digital download. So the fact that some of these rewards have downloads and some of them have discs is really confusing. In a campaign like this, and I've done several, I've run several film campaigns, you never kind of take away something as you go forward in terms of the version of the film. If you're going to give away a digital download of the film, you always kind of include that going forward more or less because people are willing to pay more so they should kind of get what everybody else is getting. Plus, if for some reason there's a delay in the manufacturing, at least you can give your backer a digital copy. My goodness, uh, missed opportunity there. And that's a $75. Then we jump right up to $150. The need for speed. In this, you get the limited edition pens. You get the digital download. You get the DVD. You get Fredhead sunglasses, an original Wishmaster lobby card. There is only 25 of these. This is the only one that I've seen, I think, that allows you to have both the DVD and the digital download. So for 150 bucks, I get both of them finally. Not a cool move, guys. Uh, losing a lot of confidence there. 200 bucks. Every town has an Elm Street. Actually, you know, so many towns do have an Elm Street. That would be an interesting thing to chronicle, getting fans all over the world. Can you find an Elm Street in your town? And then just put a little snippets and put pins on a map or something like that. Social media shout-out. Limited edition pin. Digital download. T-shirt. And four more items, which are... DVD, Fredhead sunglasses, Elm Street sign. Oh, okay. You would think something like that would be up front more. It is not. Interesting. And again, there's no pictures of that, so I have no idea what that sign looks like. Diorama Rama. Thanks to our social medias. Pins, DVDs, blah, blah, blah. So here we go. Okay, sorry. I clicked on some stuff there, and Indiegogo really redirected me around there. I thought I wanted to get something. I was just trying to see the four more items on Diorama Rama, or the three more items, and it got uh, messed up there. Limited edition Brett Bartnick Diorama Show case your freddy figures in style okay again we don't have a picture of that so anytime that you're going to try to do stuff i know some of this stuff was featured in the video but you should include some images over here ain't gonna sleep no more 350 350 bucks they're saying it would cost 500 bucks basically like this is just getting out of control nice hearing you from your carlos so again back to the future replica shoes signed by ricky dean logan I'm just so confused on some of these things here. Like, 
when you're jumping up new tiers, so the items included, don't put like the new stuff last because I can't see them. So all of these look the same. This looks the same as this here. This looks, it looks the same as this there. It looks the same as that. Like put the new stuff first and put it in caps if you've got to. Oh God. Okay. T-shirt, DVD, limited edition pin, social media shout out, film soundtrack, behind the scenes footage, only available to backers, Fredhead's poster, custom Nancy Thompson Funko Pop. Okay, again, no images, more like finger knives. A uh, thousand bucks. We get co-producer in the end credits. You got to be careful about that because that could affect uh, a lot of things in terms of where it gets screened and what countries and what that means and how that could affect your different deals. So there's some distribution knowledge that you guys got to bring into that when you offer that up. Uh, one Fredhead exclusive glove signed by more like finger knives, Screech. I don't know what that means. Are you ready to be Nancy again? T-shirt uh, download. There's just way too many. Like it's it's killing me here. Never sleep again. Robert Ung Ung England uh, award signed. Like I get that they seem to have a lot of perch and stuff like that. Like or, or merch. Like it just I don't know. I'm so confused by all this stuff. I'm getting frustrated and. Urgh, it's angering me. Um, I want to love this campaign so much and I want to help out, but I can't even get a digital copy of the film and I really don't want to spend 25 bucks uh, to get shipping on this limited edition DVD that's going to come out in a year's time. I'd rather get a digital version and clearly there's going to be digital versions out there. Um, why is this $70 is a t-shirt for a digital download? It's like 50% off. So it's 70 bucks is, and I would, you know, I would just peg a digital download at 10 bucks. I mean, you can put whatever value you want on it. That's for sure. But if, if that's 10 bucks for a digital download, does that mean a t-shirt costs $60? Yikes. What kind of t-shirt is that? Is it threaded with gold? Uh, not, not a huge fan of that. Now uh, we got uh, more backers now. So in the time that we've been doing this, we've had some updates. We've had 11 new backers, so that's good for them. Let's look at the comments. Cool stuff. So we get updates. Not a single update. Yikes. That's not good. Backers, you can see who it is. Anonymous and what people have pledged. You can see more backers. Someone who took the, the 750 uh, house. At least, yeah, right here. Sean Malone took it. You can see more about Sean if you want. <laughs> you want to target him with some of your campaigns since he's a bit of a big spender. Uh, again, this is flexible. So they're going to get whatever they can raise in, in that time. I'm going to hold off for now. And again, this is backed or busted. I'm going to say this is busted. And the only thing that busted this was the con consumer confusion on the reward side. There's way too many going on. Uh, it's not discernible enough. There's not enough images for the stuff that they're offering up. I know I like the overview and that story side of the campaign, how clean and smooth it is, but there's got to be a way to include some images of the stuff that you're offering up for several hundred dollars to get me uh, excited, especially if you're trying to target fans of this stuff. They're going to want to see what this stuff looks like if they're going to plunk down that kind of money. Again, I know that there are some in this video, but it's just not quite enough to get me excited and to plunk money down. And more than anything, 
there should be a digital download of the film unless you have a compelling reason that ties to your story about why you only want to push DVDs. But considering you you have a digital offer in the $35 tier, it should be up there earlier. Maybe this is something you can add later and make it a big push, but you need to do some work on your awards. And with a lot of them having no backers, you have the flexibility to change how that works. So I would... Uh, and you know what? <laughs> this might be a cool idea. You got no sleep here. Maybe you can team up with a coffee company and have that part of it. Get them to give you some samples. They can ship them to you. And for, you know, never sleep again, include a package of coffee just for fun. It, it, you don't have to make money off of it, but it's, you know, it's tied to the series. So I think that would be a nice little perk that you can do. So right now, I have to officially say that this campaign is busted. And uh, I really hope the creators, you know, take a look at this video and they make some changes and maybe I'll come back as a backer. Until then, I'm Rob McCallum. If you need help with your crowdfunding campaign, reach out to me, crowdfundingspectacular99 at gmail.com or on Twitter at Rob McZob. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>